All right, yeah, the sun's shining, you know, but it doesn't, it's still cold out there. <laughs> Today is one of those days that I'm grateful to the Lord for the new furnace <laughs> and long johns. <laughs> All right, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I am excited to be here. We get to worship Jesus. We're in 2024. You know, can you believe it? We're here um, and we get to uh, do this 504 season together as a spiritual family. And today will be more so like uh, a teaching or an equipping. And today what we're talking about is uh, biblical meditation. And what does it mean to meditate on scripture? What does it mean to have a deep life in the Word of God? Because what better time than a 504 season when we're consecrating the first 21 days? I was about to say 21 years. The first 21 days of the year <laughs> to the Lord to hear his voice and to see what he'll do in our hearts, in our lives. And so as many of you all know, I like to have notes uh, as I uh, preach and teach, just so that you guys can follow along with me. Um, I have all of the stuff that I'll be going through on the notes today. Um, but today we'll be talking about and diving deeper into this idea of biblical meditation. And the title of today's message is Behold and Become, Transformation Through Meditation. And what I mean by this is when we're talking about, no, I don't need notes. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> um, what, what I mean by this is that ultimately what we focus our mind on is the likeness of what we will become. Right. I'm not saying that we I, I believe that the Lord can give us prophetic vision, prophetic insight and dreams and visions and all of that stuff. But what I'm talking about mainly today is this, is that what we focus our mind on is ultimately what we will become. Behold and become when you meditate on the scriptures, you will reflect Jesus all the more. Right, And so that's what we're talking about today when we're talking about meditation. And I'm going to uh, break some of this down, um, but I'm going to uh, pray for us first. And then I, I, I kind of want to get intro with a story today that uh, took place a few years ago when I was at Moody Bible Institute in regards to biblical meditation um, that I think is, it's kind of funny, um, <laughs> but it's, it's good. It, I, have, I have a point to it. So I'll, I'll pray for us and then, and then we'll get going, all right? So, Father, we come before you in the name of your beautiful son, Jesus, and we say thank you, Lord. We say thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for that, that you spoke through your prophets and apostles, Lord, and that we have your words that came from your mouth to meditate on and to think about. And so, Lord, I'm asking that today you would release the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of God. Lord, that the eyes of our hearts would be open to see you clear, to know you better. Lord, that, we, that your word would be rooted down deep in our hearts and that we would have a, a, just a new appreciation and a new zeal and a new fire for your word in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. All right. So I kind of want to begin with the beginning of my journey of biblical meditation and kind of weave it into a story that took place a few years ago when I was at Moody Bible Institute. Um, But like uh, Rachel mentioned earlier today, Justin Reed, he's impacted a lot of our lives. And so when I was getting uh, involved with the House of Prayer during an internship, I, uh, I learned what biblical meditation is, you know, because a lot of us think when we hear the word meditation, hit the gong, light the candle, om, and then you start levitating or whatever, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's not biblical meditation, okay? Biblical meditation is just thinking deeply and thinking a lot about passages from the Bible, okay? That's what biblical meditation is, um, but I began this journey around 2018, And when I learned what biblical meditation was, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I began to realize that this is the pathway to a deep life in the word of God. It's not enough just to read the Bible and just to read the scriptures and just to kind of work through passages, but you got to pause sometimes and you got to think and you got to just kind of sit in these passages. And so I began to learn what biblical meditation is and I was super excited. And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to meditate on 1 John, because 1 John is really, really easy. And I took the first chapter of 1 John, and I just dedicated a verse per week. And if you know 1 John, or you can turn there if you want, but it has about 10 verses. 1 John has 10 verses in it, and at the end of about 10 weeks, I came out with 50 pages, 5-0, 50 pages of notes on just the first chapter of 1 John. That's what biblical meditation does, right? It makes you pause. It makes you stop. You get cross-references. You uh, pick apart, like, the different imagery and the symbolism and things of that sort. And the, the Lord just gives you revelation, right? That's what biblical meditation does. And so I remember it was the fall when I was going off to Moody. And at Moody Bible Institute, what we would do, you know, when you get just a bunch of young people who are passionate about the Lord, love theology, you know, you just start having debates and arguments across the table and stuff. That's just what you do at Bible college, I guess. And so there is, I remember there was a a moment where we were talking about Bible engagement. We were talking about what does it look like to engage the Bible? What does your personal time look like? And we're talking across the table, and we had brother-sister floor. So my specific floor had another, uh, had a sister floor that we would eat lunch together, breakfast, all of these things like that. And I remember we were talking just one evening or one afternoon, or I forget exactly the time, and, you know, I had some people around me, and I was telling them about biblical meditation. And I was telling them how I came out with 50 pages of notes just on the first chapter of 1 John. And I remember they all gave me some really strange looks, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And I remember a few days later, I forget her name literally right now, but let's just call her Susie or whatever. You know, a few days, a few days later, you know, I, I, go, I go to breakfast and I hear, uh, you know, some of the girls on the sister floor, they're like, hey, Susie's looking for you. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, you know, see her when I see her, I guess. <laughs> and so, and then I go to lunchtime and, you know, they're like, hey, Susie is looking for you. And I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go look for her. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. But I was like, you know, I, I guess I'll see her when I see her. And when dinner time comes around, this is a few days after I told them about biblical meditation, um, a few days later, in, you know, dinner time comes around, and, uh, you know, they're saying, Susie's looking for her. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And 
And when I'm just about wrapping up my dinner time, she walks through the doors, and I see she has a real big smile on her face, and she's like, wait, don't leave, don't leave. I've been looking for you, right? So she goes, grabs her dinner, comes, sits down across from me, and she says to me, she says, you know, when we were talking the other day about biblical meditation, I thought you were crazy. <laughs> she's like, I thought you were crazy because there's no way that any person can have that many notes just on a few verses in the Bible. And she said, and then I tried it. <laughs> She said, and then I tried it. And because at Moody, we have these prayer cells, right, where you can go in individually, sit down, pray to God and things of that sort. And she was like, you know, I, I, went, into, I went into the prayer cell or the little prayer room that we had at Moody. And I sat down, and I didn't know what to do when I was engaging the Bible. She was like, I just didn't know what to do. And she said, you know what? I'm going to try what Marvin said the other day, just to try it, just to try it. And she was in Isaiah. And she said when she sat down and just said, Lord, you know, just began meditating on scripture, thinking about it, and just pausing. And not just, you know, reading a chapter and then reading a chapter and then reading a chapter and calling it good, but stopping, thinking, and praying the chapter. She said it was like the lights came on, and I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And she's like, I, then I had four pages of notes just on a few verses, and she was just lit up about it, and she was like, this is amazing. She's like, I thought you were crazy, and then I tried it, and then I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I was like, are you going to keep doing it? She was like, ah, I don't know. So, <laughs> so I, I, was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm glad you did this for this one time. But I begin with this story because I think oftentimes a lot of us, when we engage the Bible, we roll off our bed, we, you know, flip our phone on, we look at the verse of the day, okay, I got my verse of the day in, or I got my chapter of the day in, and then we just go about our day. But what biblical meditation is about is about slowing way down, way down, and just pausing and thinking about what has actually been written in front of you. And I, I promise you, you know, you may be saying the same thing as Susie, you know, back at Moody, where she's saying, you know, Marvin sounds kind of crazy talking about biblical meditation and things of that sort. I, hopefully, what I, what I want to do today is hopefully inspire something on the inside of us together, especially in this 504 season, to begin a journey of deep, Bible engagement because biblical meditation is how the word of God actually begins to take root in our spirits so that when the winds and the waves of life begin to blow against us and the winds and the waves of cultural doctrines and things that go against the scriptures and go against God's word, when they begin to blow against our minds and our hearts, we can stand firm, stand rooted and say, no. This is what the Bible says. Not because, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm familiar. I know this passage. I know this verse. But it's saying it's rooted deep in our spirits where we can combat the ideologies that oppose God's word with confidence and with certainty. Amen? Okay, so I'm picking up here in the introduction. In the introduction. So, after Moses completed the writing of Torah, or the law, or the teachings, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, when God commanded Joshua, when they were about to take the land of Canaan, when they were about to take the land of Israel, he commanded Joshua to meditate on the word 
day and night, right? To keep the word of God always in his mind, always in his heart, so that, and we'll get to this a little bit later, so that he would be careful to do what the Bible actually said, (laughs) that he would actually begin to walk this thing out, right? That he would actually begin to live this thing out. And so biblical meditation is a spiritual practice, a pathway, a route to spiritual transformation in which we behold or focus on God with the eyes of our hearts being transformed into his likeness. Now, that's a mouthful right there. That's a lot. But let me kind of break this down. Biblical meditation is a spiritual practice, something practically that we can do in our lives. How many of us have ever thought, how on earth do I engage with this book right here? <laughs> you, you have Genesis, you have, you know, the Psalms, you have Revelation, you have the epistles. There, there is 700, over 770,000 words in this book right here. And a lot of us, when we come to the scriptures, it's honestly like, okay, how on earth do I interact with God's word? How, how do I actually begin to understand what God has written and spoken to us through his word, right? And biblical meditation is a practice, something practically that we can do to engage with the Bible. And it's a route. It's a pathway. It's one of the ways that actually transforms us spiritually, that grows us in our inner man, where it's not we just, yeah, I just, I know this passage already. I'm familiar with this passage. I've read that already. But it's about saying, no, I am becoming more like Jesus because of the word that I'm meditating on. So it's a spiritual practice that leads to transformation that we behold God. We, be, we see him for who he is, not with our physical eyes, but the scripture is clear that our heart has eyes, that our hearts, that our inner person has eyes in which we behold God, in which we focus on him. And when we meditate on verses that talk about mercy, guess what? You will become more merciful like the Lord. When we, talk, when we meditate on scriptures that talk about forgiveness, you will forgive like the Lord. When we meditate on scriptures that talk about how God is kind and how he's gracious to us, we will become kind and gracious like the Lord. That is what biblical meditation does. It transforms us spiritually so that we can look like Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So paragraph A right here is, is I'm giving a definition of what biblical meditation is. So the Oxford definition, if you just were to type in meditation in the Oxford Dictionary, it is to think deeply and focus one's mind for a period of time. It's about focusing our minds. But the Hebrew word for meditation is this word haga or hege, meaning to moan, to growl, to utter, to speak, to murmur, to ponder, and imagine. 
And so when you combine those two definitions, the Oxford Dictionary definition, but specifically the Hebrew word, it's about taking the words that you've read and that are in your mind and getting them on your lips. It's about saying it out loud. It's about saying the word of God back to yourself loud enough for you to hear you. So when David says in Psalm 27, 4, one thing that I desire, it's not just about thinking about Psalm 27, 4, but it's about saying it back to yourself, one thing, one thing that I desire. That's the moaning, that's the uttering, that's the murmuring, that's the pondering, that's the imagining, the one thing, one thing that I desire, one, one thing. What does he mean by one thing? You see what I mean? It's about saying it out loud to yourself. And so biblical meditation this is still paragraph A, is about focusing one's mind and heart on a particular passage of Scripture to know God deeper. It's about focusing your mind and your heart on a particular phrase, a particular sentence, a particular story, so that the end goal is to know God deeper. And the difference between Eastern religious meditation and biblical meditation is that the Eastern religious meditation is about emptying yourself so that anything can come in. Biblical meditation is about filling yourself with the word of God. It's about filling your heart. It's about filling your mind with God's word so that when you think, you think like him. When you feel, you feel like him. When you walk, you walk like him. Okay, so that's, the de that's defining what biblical meditation is. It's about focusing our mind and our heart on God's word. And uh, there are two particular images that, come, uh, that uh, tag along with this idea of biblical meditation. The, the primary image that is associated with biblical meditation is a cow, you know. <laughs> so track, track with me here, okay, is a cow. So when a cow, what, this is what a cow does. A cow sees a piece of grass. It says, ooh, or moo, I don't know, you know. <laughs> that was free, all right. So... <laughs> So it says, ooh, or moo, you know, and it, it chews a piece of grass or whatever cows chew. I don't, I don't know. And, you know, it, it chews, it chews, it chews. It swallows, and cows have like four stomachs. I don't know if you've seen an anatomy of a cow before, but cows have four stomachs. And this piece of grass goes through this process with these, with these stomachs. It's actually really cool because one of my students, she shows cows. And so it was, I gave her, I, I let her do an impromptu like presentation on cows because she could explain it way better than I, I can. But this is correct because it checks out because she, you know, she shows cows. She knows more about cows than I do. But what cows do, they eat the grass, they digest it, and it goes through this process in these stomachs, and then it regurgitates its whatever it's eating and it's chewing, and it chews it some more, chews it some more, chews it some more, swallows it, it goes through the same process, and then it regurgitates it again. This is chewing the cud, chews it, chews it, chews it, and it repeats that process until all of the nutrients from the grass is absorbed. Biblical meditation is the same way. 
in which we take portions of Scripture, we chew on it mentally and in our hearts, and we don't just move past it, but we come back to it again. And then we, we, we chew on it some more mentally and in our hearts and emotionally, and then we come back to it again, and we come back to it again until seemingly it feels like we've absorbed all of the nutrients from that particular passage. And then the cool part about God's word is that it's eternal. It'll all, there's always new facets to it. So you could come back to the same passage some years later and discover something new that you'd never seen you know, in that passage before. Is this making sense a little bit? This is biblical meditation, right? <laughs> you got a cow. <laughs> but the other primary image when it comes to biblical meditation is a tree. And so with that, I'm going to ask you guys to turn to Psalm chapter 1. Go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 1. This is one of the primary images of biblical meditation is a tree. And Psalm chapter 1 says this, and I'm just going to read the first three verses. It says, how blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the path with sinners or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commands day and night he is like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit at the proper time, and its leaves never fall off. He succeeds in everything he attempts. And so this idea and this image of a tree associated with biblical meditation is what I mentioned previously, is that when you meditate on the Bible, it roots God's word deep on the inside of you so that when the winds of life and the winds of culture and the winds of, you know, the evil one blow against your life and blow against your mind, you have a root system that's down deep in God's word when the accuser of the brethren comes and breathes on your mind, you're able to combat it with the word of God because it has a root system on the inside of you. Because the word of God has been planted deep on the inside of you. When you have a little baby tree, you can go to it and you can just whoop, pull the roots up with the whole entire tree because it, the root system is not established deep in the ground. Biblical meditation creates a root system of God's word on the inside of your spirit so that when the evil one comes and that when, the, when culture speaks against the word of God, it's, it doesn't budge. It doesn't budge, and you're able to stand firm on the word of the Lord. And so that's what, those are the two images. You, you get the nutrients of God's word like a cow does when it digests its, uh, it, the grass, but also biblical meditation makes you like a tree, a strong tree in God's word. So when we're talking about focusing our mind and our heart, what do we focus our mind and our hearts 
on. And biblically, there are three things when we meditate, uh, when we do biblical meditation, there are three categories, you could say, that you can meditate on. The first one is God's word, obviously. So go ahead and flip over to Psalm 119, verse 15. And I have, you know, a few verses here. And we're going to be flipping uh, to some other passages here. So just get ready for that. But Psalm 119, verse 15. Psalm 119, verse 15. And it says this. He says, the psalmist says, I will meditate on your precepts or your word. He says, and focus on your behavior, focus on your works. He says, I find delight in your statutes. I do not forget your instruction. Psalm 119 is all about Bible engagement. That's really what it's about. Psalm 119, it's all about engaging the scriptures. And so what we focus our mind on, what we focus our hearts on is God's word. That, like I said, there are 700, over 770,000 words in the Bible that you can choose any one of those words. You can choose any one of those verses. You can choose any one of those stories. You can choose any one, any place in the Bible. Any place is a good place to begin. And you can just focus your mind and meditate on, the, on those thoughts and those precepts and those ordinances of, of the Lord. And you can spend, I mean, th these are enough words for eternity. You will never exhaust the treasures of God's word, okay? So, Number one is what we focus our mind on is God's word or the Bible. Number two, go ahead and turn to Psalm 143. So just a few pages over. Psalm 143, and we're looking at verse 5. Because the next thing that we focus on or that we meditate on are God's works, the things that he does, his awesome, majestic majesty. And so in Psalm 143, verse 5, it says this. I recall the old days. I meditate on all you have done. I reflect on your accomplishments. And so when, we, when we're meditating, not just on Scripture, but we can meditate on the stories from the Scriptures, like the Exodus or Jesus' works and his miracles or the acts of the apostles and how the Holy Spirit was working through them. You can meditate on those things. But I also like to say that you can meditate on your own story, on your own prophetic storyline that God is unfolding in your life. I personally, I love to meditate on all the things that the Lord has done for me <laughs> because it keeps me from wandering and saying, Lord, where are you? You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't see you at all, you know, and thinking that he's never, he's never there. But when you meditate on your own storyline, on how the Lord came, uh, uh, came through for you, uh, you know, some years ago, or just maybe even last week, or maybe even yesterday, right, where you can say, Lord, thank you, God. And you, you can meditate and focus on the, the inbreaking of the Lord in your own life. And so you can focus on stories from Scripture, your own personal story. But this next one here is God's wonders. So go ahead and flip back over to Psalm 27. This is the Psalm of David, Psalm 27, 4. Psalm 27, 4. And this is what David says. He says, I have asked the Lord for one thing. This is what I desire. 
I want to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life so I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate or meditate in his temple. And so another word that you can use for God's wonders is his beauty, the beauty of the Lord, his attributes, his uh, his mercy, his grace, his love, his kindness. You can meditate on God's beauty and his attributes that will help you see him clearer. And so what do we meditate on? What is our focus? It's God's word, it's God's works, and his wonders, all revealed in the face of Christ Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. That in Hebrews chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the image, that he is the exact imprint, the very reflection of God the Father. And so when we are focusing on the Lord, we should, uh, biblical meditation should point our hearts, should point our minds always to the Lord Jesus where we meditate in uh, the Apostle Paul, he says the glory of God is radiating in the face of Christ Jesus. He says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And so when we see Jesus for who he is, when we see him in his glory, when we see him in his beauty, there's, I don't know how it all happens in the heavenly realms are spiritual, spiritually, all I know is that the word of God says it and it happens, is that when we see him, we become more like him. That, that's, the, that's the way we, we become more like Jesus, is when we see him for who he is, we become more like him. And beholding God's glory is more than just seeing the light that's around him, but it's seeing his mercy, it's seeing his grace, it's seeing his kindness. Seeing God in Jesus is always, always, always the goal. Okay, I'm going to hit these next few points here a little bit more. But are you guys tracking with me a little bit about what biblical meditation is? Okay, now I'm going to dive just a little bit deeper here for a moment. Is that there is a process that takes place when we meditate. I love this. I, I, I love this. Is that biblical meditation is takes, takes the information and it turns it into revelation. Biblical meditation takes information that's in your mind and turns it into revelation in your heart. Because a lot of us, we can say, oh, yeah, I know this passage. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I, you, know, I, you know, I know this, I know this. I've read the Bible before. I've, yeah, you know, I've been through that. I've seen that. I've heard that before. But re that's just information. That's just information where you just say, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar to me. Oh, yeah, that, I get that. But revelation is, oh, my goodness, this is real. <laughs> That's revelation is this is real. And let me tell you, when you get revelation on your spirit, you can read the Bible through a hundred times over be fascinated and still be fascinated by the same passage because the revelation never ever ends in God's word. Hallelujah. <laughs> revelation cures your boredom of God's word. <laughs> revelation cures your boredom where we just go to the word, oh yeah, okay, that's boring. Oh yeah, okay, I've heard that before. Yeah, it's not really applicable to my life right now. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I've heard this before. 
Yep, 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 I read that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Revelation is, oh my goodness, I cannot get enough of this. (laughs) I can read this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again because the Holy Spirit's revealing it to me afresh every time I do. But what's glorious about biblical meditation is there's another step that comes to it. Is that it's more, because information is not enough. Seriously, it's not. Information is not enough. It needs to move to your heart. It needs to touch your emotional life. It needs to touch the deeper parts of who you are. The Bible just staying up here in your mind is not enough for you to have a life that's radically transformed and looks like Jesus. It's not enough, right? But it, meditation takes information and turns it into revelation so that we can walk in fascination. Because this is, what, this is what the Lord says to Joshua, and I have the passage here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, this book of the law, or the Bible, you could just substitute that in. He says, this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Check this out. This is extremely important. So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. A lot of us, maybe our obedience problem to Jesus is not necessarily, I just don't want to do this. Maybe it's because we don't meditate on his word enough. Meditation takes information, turns it into revelation so that we can actually walk in fascination with who God is. So that we can actually be careful to do all of his commands. So that we can actually be careful to obey his word. So that we can actually live a life that's congruent with the way that Jesus commanded us to live. It's biblical meditation. It's not enough just to have information. It's not just enough to have even revelation where it's real to you. We actually have to walk this thing out. We actually have to live a life that's congruent with the way that the Lord Jesus commanded us to live. So these last two points here is paragraph D, is pleasure. Is that biblical meditation is one of the pathways to spiritual pleasure pleasure, that there is real delight, there is real spiritual pleasure and excitement that comes from meditating on the scriptures. Because when revelation hits your mind and when revelation hits your spirit, that, oh, my goodness, the Bible is actually for real and not just something that I have to do because I'm a, I, I have to be, to be a good Christian, But when revelation actually hits your mind and your heart and your spirit, it's the most pleasurable thing that I have personally experienced. When I'm meditating on the scriptures and boom, I get an an idea inspired by the Holy Spirit and God himself begins to teach me about his word, there is nothing more pleasurable than having God reveal God to your spirit. 
we have been designed for pleasure. And that's why we do things that we enjoy. But let me tell you, there's a higher pleasure. <laughs> there's a higher pleasure in the Lord. Seriously. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus has nothing on the Bible. <laughs> Disney, the, any, any street, ESPN, whatever you want, whatever you want to toss in there has nothing on the Bible. Has nothing on, you want drama? Look at the life of David. <laughs> you want to, you know, you know, entertainment? Go to the Psalms. It has every human emotion. Like there is so much, uh, there's legitimate entertainment and pleasure in the scriptures that you can experience, but the pathway to it is biblical meditation. Is actually slowing down enough for God to teach you about what he spoke in his word. We have been designed for pleasure. We have been designed to delight in God. And uh, lastly here on this side of things is, though no, this is uh, paragraph E, this is beholding, though no one has ever seen God, when we meditate on scripture, we behold him as, as through a dim mirror, gaining glimpses of his glory. You see, when I say this word behold, like I said at the beginning, is that our hearts have eyes. And ultimately, it's what we set the eyes of our heart on is eventually what we will become, is eventually what we will look like, is eventually of how we will live our lives. And right now, we can't see as clear as we will one day. And that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to break in with wisdom and revelation to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see God clear and know him better. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot see God and we cannot behold God clearly without the help of the Holy Spirit. It takes God to know God, and it takes God to see God. We cannot do this thing on our own. So that's why when we meditate on the scriptures, we have to say, God, would you release the spirit of wisdom and of revelation on my life so that the eyes of my heart can see you clear and that I can know you better and know you deeper. And it's when we meditate on the scriptures that veils are taken off of our eyes, that veils are taken off of the eyes of our heart to see God clear and to know him better. All right, I'm just going to hit these last, just the back of the page, just very, very quick. It's just very practical. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this at all. But I wanted to break down what biblical meditation is the benefits of it, the process that takes place when you actually do it, but you may be saying, okay, well, how? How do I practically do this thing called biblical meditation? And I've given you all on the back of this paper here three methods, an ancient method, a modern method, and my method, the way that I do this thing. Okay, so the ancient method 
is by this guy. He introduced this back in the 6th century, so that's the 500s A.D. And I actually was reading about him last night. His name is Benedict of Nursia, and he's from Italy. And uh, he's this guy who established the Benedictine monastic uh, you know, uh, systems that were going throughout that actually greatly helped the church in the Middle Ages, right? Like his system, like he, he, he was like the Lord used him and his rule to help with um, uh, church leadership and things of that sort. And he introduced this spiritual practice of biblical meditation called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. And that's uh, that means divine reading, Lectio Divina. And there are four steps to his process. And it has a more internal focus that goes more so to the mind. It's read the passage, that's Lectio. Reflect on the passage, that's Meditatio. Respond to the passage, that's Oratio. And rest, that's Contemplatio, right? You can see a lot of the root words here in the Latin. And each one is to read, you meditate, you pray the passage back to the Lord, and that final one is you just rest. You just allow the Lord. You don't say anything. You don't do anything. You just rest and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does and work on the inside of you. So that's an ancient method, right? It's been around for about 1,500 years. But a modern method, and many of us uh, know this guy, He's a beloved friend here at SOCC, Kirk Bennett. He's a minister at IHOP Kansas City, and he's helped remind the body of Christ of the transformative power of biblical meditation. Right now, his method, it's a modern method, and it has more of an external focus dealing with the believer's senses, okay? So like things on the outside of us. So when we read the Bible, or he has it, and this is the way that I learned biblical meditation. You read it, you write it, you say it, you sing it, you pray it. Read it, write it, say it, sing it, pray it. Read it, write it, say it, sing it, pray it. Okay? And you read the passage. And what I like to do is I like to read the passages of Scripture out loud. I like to hear me read the Bible because it's when I hear myself that the Holy Spirit begins to teach me. And he begins to uh, uh, root the Word of God deeper in my heart. And so... You read it out loud, you write it, take a phrase, take a sentence, and just write it over and over and over and over and over again. And that's how you implement and plant the word of God into your mind and your heart. You say it, say it out loud, beauty, beauty, one thing I desire of the Lord, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Right, you sing it. I'm not going to sing it for you guys, but... Uh, but, you know, and you, you, because what singing does is it melodies unlock certain things in our hearts that plain words can't. Melodies unlock tunes, unlock something in the human heart that, uh, that, we, that, that just me speaking to you plainly doesn't. And then you pray it back to God. You have a conversation with the Lord about what you're reading. And then lastly here is the method, I've kind of mixed the two, and I've kind of come up with, this is generally how I do my meditations when I meditate on the scriptures, is that uh, I pick a simple and short passage, that's number one, and then two, I find a quiet space with few distractions. 
And then number three is I have a notepad ready. I don't like to bring my phone with me when I meditate on scripture or pray scripture. I like to just have a notepad and just write things down because I don't want to be distracted when I'm in a conversation with the Lord. And so I just have a notepad ready to go. And then number four is I pray read the passage. And so what I'll do is I will just have my Bible open and I'll just pace around in a circle. Seriously, I would, just, I would just pace around like this in a circle, saying the passage, praying the passage back to the Lord. Lord, what did you mean that this is the one thing needed of Mary of Bethany? And I, and I would just pray out loud. I'll say it back to myself, pace in a circle until, you know, I'm just writing things down. And then five, ask questions about the passage. That's the doorway of Revelation is ask, Lord, why did you say this? Why is this here in this particular passage? And then if there are unique words, identify those. That's number six. Number seven is identify cross-references. Is, there an, is this passage referring to another passage in the scriptures? And then number eight is identify symbolism if it's present. Number nine, this is important, check your findings and conclusions with other people or other resources like friends, pastors, commentaries, because you don't want to come to a conclusion about a passage that's incongruent with, one, with what the passage is saying, and two, with what the church has said historically, right? You want to, you want to be accurate in your conclusions, in your biblical meditations, and then this is the, where the cow comes in, is you repeat the process until you feel like it's completed, when you feel like the Lord is giving you the okay to move on to a different passage, then go ahead and do that. But stay with it. Don't just, don't just read a passage and then move on. Read a passage and then move on. Okay, okay, okay. But slow down. Choose something that is relevant to your life. The words of Jesus are always good ones to meditate on. And this is how we begin to look a little bit more like Jesus. This is how we begin to live a life that's congruent with the way that he commanded us to live. Is we don't just you know, take the word of God and then move on to the next one, move on to the next one. We slow down. We take our time. We practically take one step after another, being disciplined with it, and you'll find that your heart and your emotions and your thought life will be transformed because you've spent time simply meditating in God's word. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're going to respond here. We're just going to ask the Lord for a deeper love and a treasuring of his word. This, this is God's word, you <laughs> like, like, I mean, this is, this is the word of the Lord. This is the scriptures, the holy scriptures that we have been given to commune with God and to fellowship with him. I mean, this, I mean, this is amazing when you just slow down and think about it. And so I'm going to ask the Lord just to give us a deeper fire and a deeper desire and a greater reverence for his word, that we would treasure it for the gift that it is. So, Lord, we come before you and say, thank you, God. Lord, thank you for your word. 
We thank you, Jesus, that you spoke the world into existence and that we have your word to meditate on. And so, Lord, we just say before you, Lord, it's not enough. It's not enough what we've known and just keeping information trapped in our minds. But Lord, would you turn your words into revelation? And would you turn your words into reality in our hearts? And Lord, would you give us the grace to walk out the commands that you've given to us, Lord, in your word? And so God, I'm asking that you would give us a deeper treasuring and a deeper cherishing of your word. Lord, that when we would open the scriptures in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening or at night, Lord, that we would say, we would come before you in awe and say, Lord, this is your word. This is your word, your gift to us to commune and to fellowship with you. So God, I'm asking that you would ignite something this morning, that you would ignite something in our hearts today, Lord, that, uh, that we would see your word for what it is, that we would see you for who you are as you revealed yourself in your word and in the face of your son, Christ Jesus. So Lord, I'm asking that you would touch our hearts and that you would uh, give us a, a deeper fire and a deeper cherishing of your word, Lord, this morning.